So hi everyone, this week I feel Matthews, we are going to check out um, what the Zambian elections can teach South Africa and find out about the racial indoctrination happening at South Africa schools. So stay tuned, this is going to be a good show. Welcome to Freedom Fanatics. This is a production of the Freedom Advocacy Report. And this show is every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook. And each week we discuss the latest fan content with our authors and our creators right here. And my name is Solon, and today I'm joined by a usual Marius Root, who is the writer at the South African Institute of Educations and an editor at the Daily Friend. And then we also have a first-time guest, Richard Agon, um, who is the head of strategic engagement at the Institute of Education. Thank you guys for being on the show and for making the time. Um, so first up, We'll be discussing um, our latest article, which deals with the Zambian elections and what it can teach South Africa. So just for some context real quick. So recently, Zambia in Zambia, we saw the opposition, United Party for National Development, win the recent election against an authoritarian liberation party who have essentially dominated Zambian politics for many, many years. Um, so Marius, so considering the Zambian politics and our upcoming elections here in South Africa, why is it necessary to emphasize the point that race is only as important as you want it to be? Well, I think uh, Zambia is a good example of um, how people emphasize race when they don't actually need to. So uh, Zambia, they had a, one of their deputy presidents between 2011 and 2014 was a guy called Guy Scott. And he was a white Zambian of Scottish uh, uh, heritage. Uh, he was born in Zambia and whatever, but his parents were from Scotland. And he was actually deputy president of the country between 2011 and 2014, and a guy called Michael Sarter. Uh, Michael Sarter died in 2014, uh, at the end of 2014, so Guy Scott was actually the interim president of Zambia, meaning he was most probably uh, the most, um, uh, what's the word you want to call it, the most uh, uh, high-profile white politician in sub-Saharan Africa probably since uh, F.W. de Klerk. So it's uh, quite something. And he was actually, there was quite a lot of support for his candidacy to become uh, the, you know, to run in the election, uh, the presidential election in 2015 for his party, there, which was called the Patriotic Front. But uh, he decided not in the end, and uh, uh, Edgar Lungu ended up becoming the uh, candidate for uh, the Patriotic Front. But uh, at the time, there were uh, quite a few people who uh, pointed that, uh, Guy Scott himself said that uh, Zambia is becoming what you'd call a post-racial country, and uh, uh, racism is uh, as important as uh, people make it out to be. Uh, there's also a guy called uh, Mark Chorner, uh, who spoke at the time when uh, Guy Scott became a deputy president. And this guy, Chorner, he was uh, a former advisor to Zambia's first president, Kenneth Kawunda. He said, it shows people are colorblind and what they are looking at is performance, not color. And I think that's very important. People here in South Africa always say, you know, the DA uh, shouldn't uh, appoint uh, uh, white people to certain positions. Or there's been quite a lot of uh, brouhaha now about uh, Jordan Neal Lewis being the candidate for the mayor of Cape Town and what have you. But uh, people have shown that they are prepared to vote for, people vote for the interest. They don't vote for at skin color. If by some miracle tomorrow, 
the Jeremy Cronin or Barbara Creasy became the head of the ANC. I don't think suddenly the ANC's vote share would collapse. It still gets whatever it is, their 50% or what have you. And Sam, uh, we also saw with the uh, DA, uh, even when Musi Maimani became its leader, uh, lost a bit of support in uh, the 2019 election, but I don't think that's because Musi Maimani, because of his race, I think it was because of certain the trajectory of the party. And that said, in 2016, when Musi Maimani was leader of the DA, it had its best ever results in terms of proportion of votes. It got uh, 27, nearly 27% of the votes in the 2016 local government elections when Musa Maimani was the leader. So I don't think uh, you can point at uh, race and say, this is why people aren't voting for a certain party and what have you. I mean, of course, there will be certain, I mean, not, not many white people vote for a political party like the EFF. Not many black people vote for a political party like the Freedom Front Plus. But those parties are explicitly for the interests of one race or ethnic group or whatever the case is, uh, EFF and Freedom Front Plus and what have you. So I think they are um, uh, exceptions, but I think in South Africa we have shown that uh, race isn't this burning issue that people think it is. And I think Zambia was a good example of that. And we can definitely learn from that. Yeah, absolutely, Marius. Um, Sarah, I'd like to come to you. So another thing Marius highlights is that no party endures forever. And in the run-up to South Africa's next election, do you think the ANC have a reason to fear for their position as the governing party? I certainly hope they have reason to fear um, because they have led us very, very badly, particularly in the last 10 or 12 years. Um, they've essentially come close to bankrupting the country. They've given us a, an example of moral turpitude that just doesn't bear thinking about. Uh, they've robbed us blind. They want to tax us ever more to make up for the fact that they're not getting money. But they're starting to experience the sort of little things that affect them only that I think are the most problematic for them to take note of. And that is the fact that they they themselves are running out of money. They can't employ, they can't pay their staff. Um, they didn't get their lists together for the elections um, in sufficient numbers by the cutoff date where other parties did. So they're 35 wards uh, for which no lists are available, no, no lists exist, including Mangaung, essentially uh, Bloemfontein. Um, and in, in essence, there's nothing about what the ANC is doing and has done that warrants it succeeding in being in, in, in achieving any real electoral success in an, in this election or the one to come. And I think Zambia perhaps is is uh, should should be a wake up call for them because. Zambia has had its problems and it has its problematic politicians, but it's showing it's, it's showing that South Africa is not ahead of the curve anymore. Um, examples of genuine democracy and democratic elections are coming from elsewhere. And I think uh, if, if the ANC doesn't pay heed to this, they'll probably uh, reap the whirlwind of it. Yeah, well, trust me, we all hope that they will actually um, reap what they sow <laughs> and be kicked out of office. But yeah, thank you guys for your thoughts on that. And to our viewers, you can find all our written content on our website, freedomadvocacy.net. And now we'll be looking at um, our fan explainer video, um, which is titled Stop Racial Indoctrination in Schools. So yeah, we can have a quick watch. Some schools in South Africa are pressuring students into accepting a worldview called Critical Race Theory, CRT. According to CRT, the most important thing about you is your race and that your prospects in life are determined by the color of your skin. It teaches us that white people are racists 
and that black people can only succeed if white people let them. In short, the teachings of CRT state that you're either bad if you're white or weak if you're not white. Many schools have made CRT part of official school policy, hiring so-called experts to ensure that CRT ideas dominate what should be open learning environments. This is not surprising. Most universities in South Africa train teachers to accept a theory of education called critical pedagogy. This theory says that the role of a teacher is first and foremost to bring about radical social change. Teachers are being trained to become activists, to use schools as vehicles to spread harmful ideas like CRT. This is very different from the common sense idea that the role of a teacher is not only to impart knowledge, but to equip students to use reason and evidence to think for themselves. However, CRT activists consider reason and evidence as tools used to build up white people while breaking down everyone else. Therefore, if a student tries to question the ideas of CRT, they're accused of racism. Accept CRT or else. Not only is it immoral for a school to force a particular set of values on children behind their parents' backs, but these particular set of values divide students by race and teaches them that being offended is a mark of virtue. If South Africans don't stand together to stop this, this indoctrination will produce children who are fragile and unable to think for themselves, making them ill-equipped to become productive members of society. Um, yes, sir, sure. Um, first, up, many of our ideological opponents, to put it nicely, tend to the to tend to this mis campaigns on CRT and point it out as fear mongering. Um, but considering South Africa's history, I think it's important that we call out the race obsession the moment it appears. Yeah, because essentially, uh, and certainly the government's taken the lead in this in the last few years. It's it's used race and actually racism. As, as a justification or as an excuse or as an explanation for things that are solely within its own domain. And the point is, particularly given our past and the fact that the white population is less than 10%, when you turn the tables and, and you know, we know what how, neg- how problematic it is to other a group of people. And the minute you other a group of people, you, you, you create separation and you create a failure to understand each other. And if you don't, understand each other, then racism is likely to grow. And for a theory such as CRT to be imported from the United States, which in, in which it was developed and under very different circumstances, I think is just dangerous and it serves the country badly. I mean, one needs to do as much as possible to reduce racism and, in, and increase the ability of people to get on and, and cooperate with one another. Yeah, absolutely. Marius, do you have any final thoughts for us? Uh, no, I think uh, Sarah and our colleagues have been covering this issue quite well, but uh, I think it's definitely something to watch out for. And I think any ideology or uh, theory, whatever, that uh, separates people by race and says your the, your most important characteristic is the color of your skin is dangerous. It's definitely something to be pushed back against. Yeah, for sure. And thank you guys for your insights on our most recent explainer video. And thank you guys for making the time once again. And we've reached the end of this episode now. So don't forget to catch us every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
YouTube and even IGTV as well. So to join FAN, you can support our fight for freedom and sign up at freedomadvocacy.net. And remember that your freedom is worth fighting for.